Boston's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. Well, this is indeed Inside Sports. And yes, we are the voice of the Oilers and the Eskimos. Very exciting. I'm going to bring in Gordon, but I quickly want to get to the scoreboard, which, as always, is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. Lightning and Flyers 1-1 early in the third. Gostas Bear is 13th. Maple Leafs leading the Sabres 2-1 late in the second period. Bruins and Panthers going at it 4-3 for the Bruins. Still 12 minutes left in the second period. Yager gets an assist. He passes Gordy Howe for third on the all-time point list. Still to come, Arizona at Colorado. Capitals, Ducks. Sharks, Flames, and Vancouver visits Los Angeles. The Oil Kings about to get underway against Saskatoon. How about Alberta at the Briar? Four in the fourth end. They lead Manitoba 6-1. They are in the fifth as we go to Gordon on the line. Gordon, thanks for waiting through uh, the news there. I still want to see somebody get an eight-ender at the Briar. I don't know if it's ever happened, but anyway, that's that's an aside. How are you doing, Gordon? Yeah. Good. <laughs> thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, just a couple quick comments. I was listening to some of the guys talking about the D-men and all that other stuff, and, and uh, quite frankly, I like the moves we've made lately with adding some of that size. Uh, I month or two ago I was really disappointed with the play but it seems to have picked up a bit and then on the defenseman side of things um, if we hadn't have had to deal with you know the Schultzes and the Fanes and the Ferences and the Nikitans you know four defensemen yeah. uh, veterans uh, and we had some decent ones to complement the Cleft Bombs and the uh, Davidsons and the Nurses I think it's, it's looking pretty good if we can get a few to replace those older guys that aren't doing so well Well Fane's better now that he's lower on the depth chart um, yeah, for sure. But again, the problem is it was supposed to be him and Nikitin as as the number one pairing, and that's just not uh, not not viable. Davidson's been a pleasant surprise. I, I guess you know a couple people have texted in over the news there. C- could the Oilers get Hamonic? I, I mean, I don't know. Does Everly for Hamonic happen? I know Bob today was talking about the Oilers' first round draft pick, depending on when, where it is for Hamonic. Right. I, I mean, if you draft fourth overall. I'd trade that for Hamannick personally. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that'd be a really good complimentary player for sure. Yeah. So I yeah. like. The, let's face it. The Oilers aren't going to get a true number one defenseman via trade. I, I just yeah. don't think they will because nobody's trading PK Subban or Chara in his prime or Doughty or exactly or yeah. whatever. We're I, dreaming. They're gonna have to. I, I think for next season. And look, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or, or, or think that the team isn't going to be good because I think they probably can improve. It might have to be defense by committee. Right. Where yeah, maybe sure. you have Sekera, a new right-handed shot guy, Davidson, Nurse, and Clefbaum, and you say, okay, which three or four of these five are going to carry the load tonight? And then you have somebody like Party, Griba, or Fane as your number six guy. Because I think... Yeah, you know, that's right. I think one of Griba or Party will be around. I don't think both. I think probably Griba because Shirelli brought him in before, but he'd have to resign him. And then and Fane, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but if he's around as a six or a seven, I, I think they can live with that at least for next year, which is probably going to be another year where they, you know, hopefully try to improve and get closer to a playoff spot. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, I agree with Griba, and I kind of forgot about them, but Griba and Party, uh, I like their size and, and a little bit of grit they add. If they were, you know, a third-pairing defenseman, that, that, that would probably be a pretty good situation as well. Well, here's Adam Party to me, Gordon. And, you know, he saw him play with the Jets and here with Edmonton, and he, and he made a bad turnover against Columbus, and, you know, and that was, that was frustrating, the one right inside the blue line. But Adam Party, again, to get back to what I was saying about Maroon, he party knows why he's in the NHL and he doesn't try to step outside that box because even if he knows if he does he's going to hurt the team. Adam Party is like a shot blocker in basketball. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's like the big center who only scores 8 points a game but he yep. stands in the key and takes up space. And Hardy saved the goal or Party saved the goal against uh, Buffalo, remember? That's right. Cuz yeah, right on the line. He gets back in front of that, he takes up space. And if the puck or a man needs to be cleaned up, he cleans it up. That's his approach. And if he's a bottom-pairing guy, maybe you're still not a great team, but at least he can be trustworthy on an okay team. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it looks all that bad. You know, I mean, we've had a lot of troubles, and there's been those other guys, you know, and Nikita and some of the underachievers. But I think as a whole, it's starting to get a lot better for sure. Now, where do you come down on Talbot? Do you think he's actually as good as we've seen him over the last couple of months? Well, you know what? I I kind of mixed feelings because you know he'd have a good stretch and then just get hammered for a whole bunch. But I don't know. I think I think I'm I'm impressed with him for the most part. I mean, if you look at his save percentages of all goalies since mid December, there was a stat put on I think the newspaper or it was on NHL or something. He's right up in the top five in save percentage since mid mid to early December. So yeah, it's nine thirty one. He's doing yeah, exactly. So I think overall he's been really good. Gordon, yeah, thanks for listening and thanks for calling. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for taking my call. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text us at six thirty six thirty. Kevin says, "Hey, Reed. Uh, Kevin in Vancouver. Thanks for listening. I'd like to see the Oilers dangle a hook in front of Hamonic. He's only twenty five. I think that could be the key to the D. Well, they'd have to trade for him. He's still under contract, but I think that." might still be there, even going into the summer. Troy says, I wish some of your callers could hear themselves. This is the same thing year after year after year. Don't break up the core because they'll be awesome someday. If we don't get help on defense, this core will evaporate over time and we'll never make the playoffs. That is from Troy. Uh, well, I mean, look, I, I, I think, like I said, I, I believe one of the $6 billion players is going to go. Uh, I, I think it'll likely be for a, a, a defenseman. I do think they have to get another forward in the maroon or Cassian mold, so you have a better third line, and then you can then I you know I I think if you have a Latestu and a Hendricks and a Korpakoski or a Pakarinen on your fourth line, that's not a great fourth line, but I think it's a serviceable fourth line. Um, I, I I just I I think Shirelli is taking a very measured approach to what he wants, but I think he I, he knows exactly what he wants, and I think he's has a good understanding again of of what pieces complement the the existing pieces. And and Maroon again, so far so good. And Talbot today was talking about some of the size additions. I mean, even with Party and Cracknell being bigger guys. I think it's been talked about that it's given us a bit more of a, a gritty feel. I mean, we can um, start those scrums like we kind of did in, in Philly there and stuff like that and not have to worry about um, maybe some of our skill taking the brunt of it. And uh, we've got some of the guys that can protect them out there on every line now. And um, I think it's just a more gritty group. And, um, yeah, I think that 
that might be uh, a big reason why we've been playing so well lately as, as well. All right, so, you know, Talbot talking about that too, and, uh, you know, the one caller before the news there thought that the Oilers got pushed around last night. I, I mean, I, I personally think, and I lived through the 1980s. I was a, I was a kid, but I did see those teams. I think that we can't over-romanticize those days. Yes, Saminko was tough. Brown was tough. They had other tough guys. But there wasn't a fight or an altercation every time Wayne Gretzky got touched. And and Rob Brown would be the first to say this as well. That yes, sometimes things happen, but star players get hit and abused quite often. And it doesn't always lead to something. And if Dustin Bufflin checks Connor McDavid, Dustin Bufflin is one of the biggest men in the league. So it's not always going to be an automatic fight. And the Davidson injury wasn't a, a, a dirty play. I mean, their legs got tangled up because Bufflin's trying to score a goal. Um, so, I mean, that, that would be my response to that. But Todd McClellan today was talking about the new style of play for the Edmonton Oilers. And I put new... In, in sarcastic quotation marks. Prior to the deadline, we had made a commitment, um, maybe through osmosis, there to uh, to play harder and to compete harder. We weren't happy uh, finishing that homestand. Um, we talked about becoming a scrappier team and and leaving it on the ice, uh, not being overly concerned about the results. And um, I think that started in Anaheim. That started in LA. Two real tough places to play. And then the uh, the trade deadline augmented it with. With adding some size and some strength, and um, you know, with that comes confidence. Um, now we have 15 games left. We're going to have some ups and downs. We didn't play real well in Columbus, uh, you know, for different reasons. But um, if we can keep this attitude that we have right now, and that relentlessness in our uh, and tenacity in our game, uh, we have a chance to evolve over the last. Uh, month of the season and and carry that into the summer, so we have a little momentum going into uh, training camp next year. All right, so I, I know there's a headline in one of the papers last week after they beat the after they beat the Flyers. New and improved Oilers beat Flyers. Look, I just I just want to be. I'm sure most of you are on the same page with me here. This is this team in my mind has not changed. I I refuse to acknowledge that until it goes on for much longer. Right now, they're the person who's 100 pounds overweight who has done a really good job eating less for a week and who has lost four pounds. My diet's working! Okay, settle down. You, you need to lose 100 pounds. You lost four. All right? That, that, I mean, this, this is great. It's encouraging. The goaltending, awesome, clearly. And, and I feel pretty good about what Talbot can be. And, and that's, that's all cool. But I'm not, I'm not, I mean, they're referring to themselves as scrappy, and that's great because sometimes saying it and, and telling yourself that's who you are is the first step towards becoming that person or team. But I just like, hold, hold on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on here. Uh, seven games where you're, where you're scrappy and you're a little more committed to defense and you can figure out how to win low-scoring games. Okay, that, that's great, but that doesn't do a lot for me after several years of not being that team. So that's where I am there. I Like, hey... I'll never. I'll, I'll, you can't critique victory too much. A win is a win. Good play is good play. 
Having more goals than the other team, always important. Absolutely. But I'm like, hold on, hold on here. These are not the scrappy Edmonton Oilers. If they could do it for the 14 remaining games, regardless of the competition, because let's face it, the games are meaningless for the Oilers, and that maybe that makes it a little easier to commit to this identity, then maybe I'll say, okay, there's an important little block in McClellan's foundation that hopefully is there next season. Uh, but and and you you know usually I, I try not to be pessimistic, but I I just gotta uh, I just gotta I just gotta get that out there. Uh, this these these are not the new Edmonton Oilers, not yet. They got some new players. They got some players that might help make them new, but I'm not ready to call them new and improved yet. Seven seventeen. You can text six thirty six thirty. You can email inside sports at six thirty. Chet, I got a uh, I got a text here from someone simply calling himself. The legend who says, yes, Reed, I 100% agree with you about star players being abused. At times, top players just need to battle through it. You can't have somebody standing up for you all the time. All right, text 630-630. By the way, Henry Burris is coming up at 730. We'll uh, talk about Peyton Manning retiring and see how Henry's offseason is going. Inside Sports on Chad. You're listening to 6.30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Welcome back. Here we are. Thanks for tuning in. Hockey game tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock drop of the puck. Oilers against the Sharks. At Rexall Place. We will have it for you. Working that one, Kellen Kennedy? I will be here. What is uh, your... Not with, not with bells on, but I will be here. What's your record now? Okay, so the updated records as of ye- the end of yesterday's game. Yes. I'm sitting at 13, 18, and 5. Mr. Matt Panasiak is sitting at 13, 17, and 2. Oh, wow. You guys are close. We are close. Now, if you were going by NHL points, how they give you the points up in the standings, I actually have more points. But you have more games played. That's true. So we'd have to do a points percentage, which I'm not actually not that interested to calculate. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Sometimes I'll ask you a question, and it'll just lead to more questions, but then I'm just like, yeah, I only yeah. really cared about the first yeah. question. Well, I'm, not, I'm not willing to put more effort well, into we'll, anything else. We'll file that in the maybe if it's a slow night option. <laughs> yeah. And just push that in the yeah. very deepest, darkest, farthest shelf in the closet. It's you know? a really slow night if uh, if we're doing points percentages for studio operators for Oilers games. Like, you know, July 4th or 5th or whenever the day after the baseball All-Star game is or something when, like, nothing is happening. You know what we should uh, we should do one night in studio? We should okay. have, like, a hamburger cook-off. Sure. Kind of like a chili just cook-off, some but chefs in okay. and They just fry up some hamburgers, and, and then we try them all. Sure. You'd get celebrities in? Mm-hmm. Like, who could who could we get in? Like, probably... Uh, well, Jespo's good with the, with the well, barbecue. Well, I was thinking we'd go even bigger than that. Okay. Like, like really big. Like, Jason Strudwick. Sure. Uh, maybe, uh, what's the nature of things guy? David Suzuki. David, David Suzuki. He could do a vegan burger, yeah. So, we'd okay. get Ryan Jesperson, uh, David Suzuki, Jason... I mean, it shouldn't be all men. No. And Lady, and Lady Gaga. That's who we'd have. Wow. That'd be the uh, hamburger cook-off. That, that's, that's, that's quite the... Uh, and we could, you know, maybe we'll talk to Jay and Dan and maybe get one of them in as a guest judge or something. And No, we're not paying to fly them in. Not if we're paying for Lady Gaga. Well, you know, we could 
What's that tech? Uh, there doesn't exist. The technology doesn't exist that we can, you know. No, we don't scan have teleportation. And... If that's yeah. what you're thinking of, <laughs> we, we can't teleport people yeah. into the studio. The yeah. uh, the transporter from Star Trek has not been invented. Mm. By the way, uh, head coach Todd McClellan was talking about the possible effect of late season wins. You know, my experience is that when teams are and we're not by any means eliminated completely, but we have to be realists too. Um, there's less pressure on the group to perform, and normally you, you take it up a little bit. Um, that happens a lot with, with groups, so we're doing that right now. We'd like to maintain that. Um, you know, one of our goals was to get our full team together at some point and be able to evaluate. It's likely not going to happen. Um, so we head into the summer not really knowing what we have or don't have. Um, but we've seen individuals enough, I think, that we can make some some assumptions and begin to build our team around those. All right, so that's head coach Todd McClellan, Oilers and Sharks coming up tomorrow night. They have uh, won four of their last five. See if they can make it five of six. All right, Inside Sports, of course, presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow as the Oilers host San Jose pregame at 5.30, puck drop at 7, AMA safety and savings for your family. Cam Talbot also, uh, I, I asked Cam today in his media availability, when, when you win these 2-1 games, does uh, something click in the, in the team's head? Like, oh, that's how we win those close games. I think that's been uh, a big point of emphasis for us is closing out those games when we have a lead going into the third period. And, uh, I mean, we've been doing a great job of it as of late. And I mean, you can see you can see it's like playoff-type atmosphere and playoff-type hockey, and I think that's what um, we need to continue to do to, to build on those and, and continue to work for the future. And I think that once we, if we can continue to keep winning games like this now, it's going to translate in, into next year and hopefully uh, into those playoff games in the future. Dan texting in, he says, Hey, Rita, I disagree with you. In my opinion, it is tougher to play scrappy or scrappy style hockey if the games don't mean anything. You would think the players would be more into playing just for themselves. So Dan is encouraged by what he sees from the Edmonton Oilers playing this way, even though they are not going to the playoffs. You can always text 630-630. Big news today in the world of football. Peyton Manning retired. We will talk to a quarterback of the same vintage about Manning's career. Oh, and some other stuff as well. Henry Burris when we get back on Inside Sports. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Hey, there's AB. 734. Sharks leading the Flames 1-0. Five and a half minutes left in the first period. Toronto. Trying to get a win. Up 3-1 on Buffalo early in the third. Philadelphia leading Tampa Bay 3-2. That is late in the third period, about three minutes left. Last minute of the second period, Boston up 4-3 on Florida. Yager, an assist in that game. He is now the third all-time leading scorer, passing Gordie Howe for sole possession of third. Colorado leading Arizona 1-0 halfway through the first period. Capitals and Ducks a little bit later on, same deal with the Canucks and the Kings. In the Western Hockey League tonight, the Edmonton Oil Kings on home ice, up 2-1 on Saskatoon. Four minutes left in the first period. Andrew Kep and uh, Davis Kosh, the goals tonight. And curling, wow, Alberta rolling at the Briar, up 8-2 on Manitoba. Now into the seventh end, Alberta had a four-ender in the fourth. And of course, big 
NFL news today. Peyton Manning retiring after 18 seasons. Five-time NFL MVP, two-time Super Bowl champ, talking about who he consulted going into retirement. Of course, uh, talked to my family about it and, uh, you know, had a lot of good conversations with the good Lord about it. And, uh, um, you know, I, I had some friends. I, I got I got three special uh, old cults here uh, tonight that, that have been great friends. And, um, you know, Jeff Saturday and Brandon Stokely and, and Bill Polian. But they're all in the media now. And, uh, you know, when I talk to them, you know, I kind of say, who are we talking? As a, are you my old center? Or are, you, are you ESPN that's lost all that weight and looks so good on TV? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I kept it, I kept my thoughts and feelings, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty uh, tight. And, uh, but like I said, it just it felt like the right time. All right. And he goes out on top. The Broncos, of course, winning the Super Bowl. Uh, about a month ago, beating the uh, Carolina Panthers. Who better to talk about a 40-year-old quarterback than a 40-year-old quarterback? Pleased to be joined by the QB for the Ottawa Red Blacks, a guy who's going to be in the Canadian Football League Hall of Fame someday, Henry Burris. Henry, welcome back to 630 Chet and Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How's it been going? I'm doing very well. I really appreciate that you would uh, make time for us. I know you're trying to have a, a bit of an off season, but it's it's always good to catch up with you. And, and, and I know you're, you're I know you're still thinking about getting that radio gig and coming after my job when you retire from football. So I'm always thinking about that, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you remembered that. <laughs> well, you're going to be good at it if that's the path you eventually do go. Uh, whatever you do, decide to to move on. How how's uh, How's how's the off season? I mean, what do you, what do you do for for training and stuff? You do anything different uh, than when you were, I don't know, twenty five, thirty, or is it the same sort of regime? Well, uh, I've been staying busy this off season. It's funny you mentioned uh, the radio gig because I actually have been working uh, morning shows and morning radio shows, morning both for both TV and radio here in Ottawa, Monday through Friday. I'm waking up at whether it's three a.m. for TV or four a.m. for radio, and ready to kick off at six a.m. Uh, I've been doing that, but also incorporating uh, my training, and I've definitely taken it to to the next level from last year, and uh, have focused on being mobile, uh, what they call strength and mobility, and basically put your body in the most vulnerable positions, but requires you to maintain that strength being in those vulnerable positions, and uh, and of course, fortunately, that helps you dodge the injury bug, and and I'm thankful I've been training that way. Uh, which I started last year once I arrived here in Ottawa. And, uh, of course, it helped me, you know, make it through the season and stay healthy and uh, especially dodge a big injury potential uh, from that hit in Winnipeg that I took and, of course, against Hamilton. So uh, doing that type of training, it, it brought me the, the type of results, I've, you know, that any player would want. It's kept me on the field. and uh, But this year, you know, my trainer, he's taken it to the next level to even push my body that much further. Uh, to get it prepared for even a, a much more grueling season. See, I, I can hear in your voice, Henry, that you still love it. And a lot of times, when when guys get into their mid to late thirties or over forty, and and they they say it was time to retire, a lot of times they say they knew it was time because the off-season training and some of that preparation started to wear them down either mentally or or, or physically. So clearly, that's not uh, not a challenge or a consideration for you right now. No, no, and it's funny because I've stepped up my uh, kind of kind of the demand for myself during the off season. 
as far as incorporating, uh, you know, this new uh, experience that I'm, you know, putting myself through by getting up and doing early morning TV and radio. It's really, you know, pushed me both mentally and physically to have to show in the, show up in the weight room, regardless, you know, if I'm mentally yeah, or you know mentally or physically tired or whatever, just from the demands that I've had to meet up to this point. But you know, every time I show up to the weight room, you know, it's like I, my my mind and and everything switches gears, and I'm in football mode at that time because I'm preparing to try to do what we can to get our team back to where we were last year. And, uh, you know, I want to help meet that challenge. And it starts in the weight room, and what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. So, like you say, I, I still have the drive. I still have the passion and the hunger. And as long as that there, that's there, you definitely want to continue playing, and I'm thankful that I'm still healthy. But, but like you said, while I still have that drive, I want to make sure I continue to get after it and prepare my body uh, to get ready for the upcoming season. Ottawa Red Blacks quarterback Henry Burris joining us. Look, I, I know athletes don't live in the past, but I, I got to ask you about a couple moments from from last season. First of all, Greg Ellingson, ninety three yards to win the East final. You guys were, I think, second and twenty five on that play, ninety three yards a- away from the end zone. I, I mean, I, I know I, I know athletes always believe they're going to make the play. But I mean, I was watching that game and be like, "Well, this is a this is a pretty dire situation for the Ottawa Red Blacks." It was. And you came to, so tell, just tell me about that play, pulling it off, and and the the feeling of being able to execute such an amazing touchdown. Well, I tell you, I mean, I don't think any coach or offensive coordinator, especially uh, in that case with it being Jason Moss, uh, I don't think any coordinator has a play for second and 25 when you're backed up in, in your conference championship. And knowing that with the with the conditions the way they were that day, you know, if we had punted, you know, the way their kicker for Hamilton was, was booting the ball, I mean, it was a, it was a for sure, uh, you know, win for Hamilton if we didn't execute. But, you know, thankfully you know, the stars aligned. And I think just through all the sacrifices and the tough times we went through here in the first two years and all the hard work that we put in, you know, coming from year one where it didn't seem the football gods were on our side, we worked our way into getting the football gods on our side in year two. And, uh, you know, it all paid off all of our hard work and sacrifice. And Greg made a one heck of a play. The O-line gave me time. And, you know, I missed, like I said, I played before. I almost threw an interception. And then we had a 15-yard clipping penalty and then a high snap. And, of course, it's hard to read a play when there's a high snap. And, and, uh, and uh I mean, so it's like everything was stacked against us, and uh, but you know, ultimately we're a team who who never would never say die, and we continue to pound after it, and thankfully we got the job done. I tell you, just hearing from all the different fans across the country and seeing the videos and the replays of that play, you know, whenever I do hear it, you know, whether it's the the, the radio replay of of AJ uh, talking about it or or whomever it was. Um, you know, you get emotional hearing those things, and and uh, from all the hard work that we put in, it, that's what it's all about. Because we've changed an entire atmosphere, we changed the entire city, uh, just with uh, you know that one play and, and catapulting us in, into the Grey Cup. And I got to ask you about the Grey Cup, Henry. And and I know from talking to a lot of athletes, and actually Oilers general manager Peter Shirelli made this point last week, talking about you know the young stars in the NHL like McDavid and Eichel. A lot of times, the great players they hate losing more than they love winning when you look back on that on that gray cup game is there something that that bugs you about that game uh you know what i mean like that one little detail or part of the game that kind of still eats at you well it's things that that i did all year we did all year and all of a sudden that game they just didn't happen um 
you know, I had that one interception where the ball slipped out of my hand. That had happened to me all season long. And, it, and, it, and of course, it happened to me in the Grey Cup, and it's like, why? And I missed a couple of key throws that, that I didn't, you know, that I you know, felt on point with, you know, throughout the uh, the second half of the season because our deep threat started to come along and we got we got Edmonton in man-to-man situations, which is where we wanted them. And, and uh, we had chances to make plays. I missed some throws. We missed some catches. I mean, but I put that more so on me because, you know, I pride myself, especially in the big games, coming through from our team. And, you know, I felt I, le- I left some things out there on the field in that game. But uh, uh, and, and it's one thing that, like you said, it chomps at me because, uh, it, 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 you know, it's something that resonates in my mind. And it's hard. It's hard to get rid of it. But however, I use that as motivation to push me towards the next goal, which is next year, because I can't get it back. But I can do my best to prepare myself to make sure that doesn't happen in the future. And so that's where my mind is focused going into this off season with training is to do all I can uh, to prepare myself for my team, for my teammates, for my family, for my city, uh, to give us the best opportunity to be successful moving forward. And because I mean, that's all the fans want. The fans here are ecstatic about what happened, and all we needed was one drive. You know, if we could have made that one drive happen instead of Edmonton, you know, right now we'd be you know, sitting here eating Fruit Loops or, or Apple Jacks <laughs> out of the Grey Cup and not those guys. So, uh, you know, kudos to Edmonton for making the plays when they need to make them. Uh, and hopefully, you know, it can be our time next year, and that's what we're all working towards right now. Yeah, and thanks for answering that, Henry. Just a couple more for you, and, and I want to ask you about Manning retiring today. But Jason Moss was a big part of your world uh, last season. Uh What's he going to be like as a head coach, do you think, with the Eskimos? You know, he's going to be great. I mean, you know, he's a player's type of coach where uh, you know, he's a guy who, who who understands the game. He played the game. He understands the, the ins and outs, the goods, the bads, the, the reality of what we deal with. Uh, but Jason's the type of guy, he'll do whatever it takes to put his players in the best position to be successful. And just as any corp, uh, you know, any success in the corporation or, or on a football team, you know, it, it takes the same game plan, the same approach. And Jason has it. He he approaches every game one of the most well prepared people that you'll ever work with, and uh, he'll find ways to to give your guys a chance to win. And he'll put you guys in position to be successful each and every game. The guy's smart. He, he, he's a he's a he's a brain. And uh, and but the best thing about him is his passion. I mean, he, his passion reminds me of a guy like a Jeff Garcia. You know, he had the eye of the tiger. And even though, like during his playing career, he you know, like people always said, he wasn't one of the most talented. He wasn't the fast, didn't have the biggest arm and those things. But the guy was smart. He was a brain. He he had, he had a great head on the shoulders. But he was a freaking competitor. And so you know that that's what you're getting as a head coach for the Eskimos and. They're going to have a chance to be successful every game because of his competitive nature and finding ways to, to help you know put a successful team on the field. But he's surrounded himself with a great coaching staff as well, and he's got a team that knows what it takes to win. It's led by a great quarterback. They have a great defense. So he's walking into a great position to be successful this year, and hopefully you know the team will continue to feed off his passion and desire to do what it takes to, to be successful and win games. All right, and, and finally, Henry, wanted to have you on for some words on, on Manning, and there's no one better to talk about a quarterback than, than another quarterback, and especially, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you guys are, are, are the same age, so your careers parallel each other. I mean, when, when you think about Peyton Manning, um, from someone like you who played the position, what stands out, what made him special, or I don't know if you want to get into his impact on the game. I'll kind of leave it open-ended, but just some, some thoughts on Manning's career and why he was able to stand out for so long. 
Well, Peyton Manning, uh, he helped change the game. You know what I mean? He, you know, to me, he was one of the more talented passers, like a, a Dan Marino, a John Elway, a Warren Moon. You know, he's one of the top-notch passers of all times, and especially in our generation. You know, you can definitely put him up there in one or two as far as in our generation. Uh, you know, I've always thought that a guy like Joe Montana was the greatest quarterback to ever live, him, the Dan Marinos, the John Elways, the Warren Moons. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think once uh, all the, the smoke clears, you're going to see Peyton Manning's name up there with these guys because he found ways to win. He turned multiple organizations around and won, won championships with both. And uh, the guy is a winner. And uh, both on and off the field, he did great things to give back. But on the field, you know, regardless of who he had out there playing with him, he found ways to make the the, per, the the players and the team around him better. You know, Peyton Manning is one of those guys who helped change the game, and he'll always be remembered for that. And uh, it, But you could tell down the stretch, you know, from the skills that he had as far as being able to get things done the way he used to, you could see some of his abilities were starting to fade. And, and uh, so I think the time was right for him to go out right now because, uh, you know, the guy was at the top of his game, winning a championship, had, had, had the ultimate team to get it done. He was dealing with injuries. But when his team needed him the most down the dire straits of the season going into the playoffs, he showed up and did, gave it all he could. And, of course, you, know, you could tell he didn't have the arm and have the, different, the strength that he had in the past. But amidst all the different things that he dealt with, both on, both on and off the field, of course, with all the allegations of, you know, the the guy with the worst body ever in football history using HDH, <laughs> and uh, and uh, of course some of the other things that were out there swirling, uh, you know, he did a great job of putting those to the side and going out and finding ways to win games, and uh, that, that's all your team asks you to do as a quarterback, and he found ways to get it done, set lots of records, but on top of those records. He won uh, a Super Bowl with two different teams, and not a lot of guys could ever say they did that in their career. Henry, well said. Thank you for joining us on 630, Chad. We really appreciate the opportunity to, to catch up with you. And I guess if you're doing morning radio, i got to tell you, go to bed. I know, exactly. I know. I'm just getting the kids down, and i got two stubborn young boys. And, you know, they, when you tell them to go to bed, it takes them about 30 minutes just to, just to even move from a spot. So, uh, I'm going to have to go work on these boys, get them in bed, and once I get them in bed, then I can concentrate on going to bed. Right on, Henry. Thanks for your time. That is Henry Burris, quarterback for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Always a great interview. Always a great interview. Friendly guy. Uh, hey, we all boo him at Commonwealth, right? But uh, away from the field, he's pretty easy to like. I said morning radio, and he's also uh, does stuff on CTV Morning Live in Ottawa. So yeah, he's jumped right into the uh, into the media world. So that's cool. A uh, little more on, on Peyton Manning. Look, I, I'm going to say something here and I'm going to irritate people. I think he's I think he's better than Tom Brady. And I think it's a fascinating debate. Um, I think Brady is outstanding. If there is a margin between the two, it's, it's razor thin. Uh, but I'm going to tell you why I think I give... I, I'm going to tell you why I give him the edge over Brady when we get back, and and it's because of something Warren Moon said, and I'll play that for you after the break. The 630 Chad Street team is hitting the road to an event near you in our 2015 GMC terrain from Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. Find out what's happening in Edmonton by heading to the events page at 630Chad.com. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Speaking of quarterbacks... Great Cup MVP, Mike Riley. 7.53. All right. It is, so, 
And you know, it's it's funny because it's this has been this has been one of the most interesting debates probably of this century. Fifteen years and two months in, who's better, Brady or Manning? I think it's Peyton Manning, and and I want you to listen to this clip from uh, from Warren Moon. We had him on Inside Sports the day after the Super Bowl. I think the biggest thing he did for quarterbacks was uh, teaching them how to prepare for the game. I think. Uh, when people saw how much time he put into uh, preparing for a game, how meticulous he was about the information in that, it made a lot of other younger quarterbacks follow suit. I know Russell Wilson wrote in a story today um, about how how Peyton Manning impacted his career and how he taught him when he was at his football camp many years ago about how to study, how to take notes, how to watch film and all that. So I know he impacted a lot of players and really uh, teached uh, a lot of young quarterbacks on how to prepare for a game. And and that's and that's my argument about Peyton Manning is that I think he changed the position. I think he changed the position in terms of what is expected from a quarterback in terms of preparation and participation in the in the game planning and the play calling. Now I I realize back back in the day as, as we oldsters like to say, back in the day, the quarterbacks called their own plays, and that eventually got taken away from them. And and now offensive coordinators call the game most of the time. But Manning had a lot of that power. And I mean, what was the thing they used to do in Indianapolis? He would be given three plays, two running plays and a passing play, and he would choose them at the line of scrimmage. And he did so much of that with the hand signals and the the verbalizing and is this really a, uh, a changing a play or is it a MacGuffin and all that kind of stuff? And, I, I mean, basically now the quarterback kind of has to be an assistant offensive coordinator. And, and I think a lot of that was elevated because of Peyton Manning. And, and that's why I would put him above other quarterbacks who came in around the same time as him. And, you know, I know people say, well, he won two Super Bowls, but he only won this one because of his defense. Well, fair enough. But, I mean, don't you think it was coaching and defense that the, that the reason the Patriots beat the Rams? You know, back in old one or whatever season that was after? I, I mean, you can't, you can't have it both ways. If, if Manning won because of his defense this year, then certainly Brady won a couple largely because of his defense as well not and Brady is outstanding and it's a fascinating debate and they're the two best quarterbacks in the NFL of the last 20 years there's no doubt about that we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers and and some other guys that are really good too but uh, Manning steps away It, it was fun watching him I can remember when he was drafted remember the Manning leap stuff I think the Colts got it right eh I think they picked the right player Hasn't Ryan Leaf been in and out of jail a couple times? Still ahead, a little more Oilers talk. We'll update the NHL scoreboard. We'll have uh, Heritage Classic memories with Fernando Passani as well. There's going to be a new game in Winnipeg this October involving the Oilers and the Jets. This is Inside Sports on 630 Jet.